Hello everyone, welcome to the final episode of Let's Get Bored. In the third episode, we examined how various artists depicted boredom in paintings, especially the boredom of travellers. In this episode, we will explore bored characters in literature. I would like to begin with one of the oldest bored characters, to whom Soren Kierkegaard refers in his book Either Or, when he articulates his theory of boredom. Adam was bored because he was alone, therefore Eve was created. Since that moment, boredom entered the world and grew in quantity, in exact proportion to the growth of population. Adam was bored alone, then Adam and Eve were bored together, then Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel were bored After that, the population of the world increased, and the nations were bored en masse. Although there is no proof that biblical figures suffered from boredom, because a word for boredom did not exist in text, Kierkegaard used this example from cultural mythology to explain how old human boredom is. As mentioned in our previous episodes, The history of boredom is ambiguous. There is a wide range of literature on the etiology of the subject and its kinship to other feelings, most notably idleness. What strange folly to beguile the tedious hours like this, all day before my inkstone, jotting down at random the idle thoughts that cross my mind says 14th-century Buddhist monk Yoshida Kenko in his famous book Essays in Idleness. He suggests that a combat of ideas with someone would be the best way to overcome boredom of idle hours. The Sumerian epic of Gilgamesh, dating back to 2700 BC, tells the tale of Mesopotamian king of Uruk, part god, part human Gilgamesh, who is bored and oppressed by idleness. The premise of the tale is boredom. When Gilgamesh gets bored, he starts to mistreat the people of Uruk. As you might remember from our second episode, Kierkegaard was the one who linked boredom to violence. Perhaps he was partially right. The gods see the king's ill deeds and they ask themselves, What is the best way to cure the king's boredom? The answer is travel, of course. So they decide to send the king away to challenge him with an adventure, give him a sense of purpose and help him overcome boredom. For Swenden, the author of A Philosophy of Boredom, boredom occurs in times when we cannot do what we want to do or we have to do something we do not want to do. So, lack of willpower is quintessential element of boredom. That is why, in this episode, I would like to divide the bored literary characters into two categories. The ones who are bored and act upon it, and the ones who are bored and do nothing about it. Gilgamesh surely belongs to the former category, as does the ancient god Zeus, whose boredom led him to create the human race. Fernando Pessoa defines boredom as to suffer without suffering, to want without desire, 
to think without reason. In his unfinished novel, Bouva et Picouchet, Flaubert developed two characters who also fit the first type of boredom. Their insane pursuit of studying everything is driven by boredom, but they seek knowledge mindlessly, as in Pessoa's definition. They think without reason, they inquire without desire, so they wander aimlessly from one catastrophe to another, which makes the readers feel like they are drowning in a randomly compounded encyclopedia. Grigori Pichorin the protagonist of Lermontov's A Hero of Our Time, also exemplifies the first type of boredom. While Pichorin wanders on the outskirts of the society, his boredom makes him indulge in all possible pleasures and excitements, which creates his sense of fascination for and distraction of almost everyone around him. Gilgamesh, Zeus, Pichorin, Buva, and Pécuchet, all suffer from the first type of boredom. They all try to avoid or escape their own boredom. There is another character, the mother of all storytellers, as Eduardo Galeano calls her in his book Mirrors, who is trying to avoid someone else's boredom. For her, boredom literally entails death. I'm talking about Sherazad, who stays alive by telling stories. In Camus' novel, The Plague, the narrator Dr. Bernard Vieux claims, The truth is that everyone is bored and devotes himself to cultivating habits. Well, not exactly. I mean, everyone could be bored, but not everyone devotes himself to cultivating habits. The second type of bored characters those who do not act upon their boredom is more common in fiction. Interestingly, the second type is more popular amongst female protagonists, especially in the 19th century novel. These women, who are mostly portrayed by male authors, complain about their boredom as they continue to linger in it instead of taking action. Charles Dickens is often given credit for inventing the word boredom by adapting the verb to bore into a noun. In his 1852 novel Bleak House, Dickens wrote one of the most bored female characters in literature, Lady Dedlock of Bleak House. Lady Dedlock is often bored to death with everything. Bored to death with the weather, bored to death with the place they live, essentially bored to death by her own existence. Although Lady Dedlock's boredom would justify Dickens' invention of a new word, it is not true that Dickens invented boredom himself. There is evidence of the use of the word boredom way before then. We encountered the word in the August 8 issue of the Albion newspaper in 1829, 23 years before Dickens published Bleak House. However, perhaps we may assume that the word boredom became popular thanks to Bleak House, as the word appears in the book six times. Similarly, Yelena Andreevna cries out that she is dying from boredom and does not know what to do about it. 
the beautiful protagonist of Chekhov's 1898 play Uncle Vanya, is the second type of board. Sonia, her stepdaughter, who actually works, tells Yelena that there is plenty to do. She suggests helping running the estate, teaching or taking care of the sick. But Yelena prefers doing nothing but prolonging her state of boredom. Not only does Yelena's boredom point to the gloomy, depressing atmosphere of the country house, it depicts the idle life of a 19th century aristocrat's wife trapped in a monotonous marriage. Norwegian playwriter Henrik Ibsen's play Hera Gabler, which received its world premiere in 1891, portrays similar characteristics. Hedda Gabler is another female character from a 19th century drama who resides in Norway, not Russia, but whose boredom is the grounds for tragedy. In fact, the play is a tragedy of boredom. Hedda often confesses how mortally bored she is. Ellen Mortensen, a professor of comparative literature at the University of Bergen, claims that Hedda experiences the pain of existence sometimes as claustrophobia, sometimes as boredom and loathing. Neither Yelena nor Hedda act upon their boredom, so they get lost in the fog of it. Boredom is a challenging subject to write about, and it could be very dangerous for the novelist. Ludwig Tieck's little-known 18th-century novel, William Lovell, is another instance of a novel describing boredom. It is often criticised for being dreadfully boring. Schlegel claims that William Lovell's description of sublime boredom at times shifts into communication of the thing itself. Another example of this situation occurs in Ivan Goncharov's Oblomov, which was first published in 1859. Oblomov, the pioneer of the second type, is the embodiment of a superfluous man who lacks the willpower to make important decisions or take any crucial action. He is a man who lives his life on his sofa. In fact, in the first 50 pages of the book, he can barely move from his bed to sofa. The boredom of Oblomov, diffused in the book, soaks in the mood of the reader. As Barbara Hardy, the author of Forms of Feeling in Victorian Fiction, claims, the novel creates forms of feeling that are shared among writers, characters and readers. Oblomov's boredom, page by page, makes the reader feel so bored that there comes a point when the reader feels too lethargic to turn the pages anymore. Oblomov is a flat, one-dimensional character, which might be the reason that the novel is boring. Goncharov himself believes that a writer should restrict himself to describing one dominant element of a character, says Milton, the author of Oblomov and his creator. Perhaps Oblomov being written in the third person is what keeps the reader distance. However, Italian author Alberto Moravia, who published his book Boredom in 1960, 
employed a first-person narrative where the reader does not feel detached or bored by the boredom of the protagonist. Rather, the reader experiences boredom as if it were the most beautiful feeling in the world. Dino, the main character, a failed wealthy artist, describes his boredom delightfully. The book begins with a 20-page prologue in which Dino explains his personal history of boredom since childhood and the meaning of it. For many people, boredom is the opposite of amusement. And amusement means distraction, forgetfulness. For me, boredom is not the opposite of amusement. I might even go so far as to say that in certain of its aspects, it actually resembles amusement inasmuch as it gives rise to distraction and forgetfulness, even if of a very special type. In Moravia's boredom, the nature of this feeling that desperateness of being entrapped in the moment, the feeling of emptiness, alienation, idleness, void, confinement, repetition, is told in the least boring way possible. Until he meets Cecilia, Dino behaves like the second type of bored character. Unlike the flat Oblomov, Dino is a round character, for when he falls in love with Cecilia, his obsession makes him put forth some effort for her love, and thus he becomes more stimulated in life. The book itself is a eulogy for boredom. Dino's definition of boredom and the metaphors he uses make the reader relish this unpleasant feeling. Dino says, Boredom for me was like a kind of fog in which my thought was constantly losing its way catching glimpses only at intervals of some detail of reality, like a person in a thick mist who catches a glimpse now of the corner of a house, now of the figure of a passerby, now of some other object, but only for an instant, before they vanish. It is worth noting that most of the bored characters' boredom is linked to their wealthy lifestyle. Dino directly associates his boredom with his mother's villa and extravagant lifestyle. In Flaubert's Madame Bovary, George Eliot's Middlemarch and Henry James' Portrait of a Lady, boredom is constantly used as a device to demonstrate and criticize bourgeois lifestyle. Lastly, I would like to address boredom as a recurring theme in literature. For instance, Samuel Beckett's works such as Endgame, Waiting for Godot, Mercier and Camille are all saturated with boredom. Swendon says Beckett could be the first person who achieved a portrayal of the absence that boredom conveys. Jean-Paul Sartre's Nausea, Albert Camus' Stranger, Knut Hamsun's Hunger, Fernando Pessoa's The Book of Disquiet, all of these novels aestheticize existential boredom. I will end this four-episode journey to the heart of boredom by saying that I have always believed there is something enchanting about moments of boredom, an invisible strength that forces the person to be there. To me, that moment contains a conspicuous secret shared with the essence of life itself.
I would like to remind you that in the beginning there was boredom. In the end, no doubt, there will be more. Thank you for listening.